Tonight's reading is from Matthew 25, chapters 14 through 30. For it will be as when a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I have not winnowed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to every one who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gnash their teeth. The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, I am really, really grateful to be here today. Long before I became the bishop of the St. Paul Area Synod, I worshiped with you at House of Mercy in three different settings whenever I really needed to hear a word of grace and mercy myself. Thank you. Your willingness to be a church on the move, embracing new art forms, new leadership models, and even a new denominational identity has been a great witness to me personally. So today, as your new bishop, I greet you on behalf of 111 other congregations and mission sites from Chisago County in the north to Dakota County in the south, add in 
Ramsey in Washington, and that's the St. Paul Area Synod. We are so happy to be church together with you and quite surprised <laughs> in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Now, I want to pick up on one of the images in today's gospel text. And to do so, let me simply say that I'm grateful that all 111 of those congregations in this synod are five-talent kind of churches. Let me explain. In ancient times, a talent was a weight of measurement for silver and gold. Those talents in the Bible text, the one, the two, and the five that are entrusted to the slaves in Matthew's gospel were the equivalent of what could be earned in one's wages over 20, over 40, or over 100 years. Such big, enormous numbers that in medieval times, the Greek word talent, now you have a Greek word in your vocabulary, was incorporated into the English language to designate natural skills and abilities someone had. If you were really, really, really good at something, if you had all the resources you needed to succeed and prosper, you had talent. Well, friends, in the church, which is the living body of Christ, we've been given all the resources we need. No one is asked to do the impossible. Each of us must simply do faithfully whatever is entrusted to us for the good of the community of faith. Look around here. Many, many of you know each other, though some of you told me at the door you were here for the first time. But those of you who know the talent in this place, Think about this. Who is it here who can lead this whole group in singing? Who is always quick to greet everyone at the door? Who in this place knows how to work with technology and to run a great sound system? Who is calm when a tough decision needs to be made? Who takes delight in the children? Who right in this place tonight has the God-given willingness to invest the money in their pocket in the work of House of Mercy? You see, you are a five-talent kind of church. Now in this parable, even with all that weeping and gnashing of teeth and the disproportionate assignment of worldly goods. What gives me pause is why the man who had such great wealth was willing to entrust everything to his servants while he went away. Most of us are not as trusting of the people around us. Oh, we might lend our car on a snowy day, but we're a little on edge until it's back in the drive. We open our hearts to others but usually with a reasonable degree of caution and restraint. But I will tell you, friends, God has not learned much from our example. 
Instead, our God continues to have outrageous confidence in us. Us. God provides everything we need to be church in this time and place. Now, we live in a culture that trains us to think we always need something more. Call it empire, if you will. We live in a culture that counts on us being anxious about the future rather than bold and willing to experiment. Give 20 years advance on wages, and many, many of us here tonight would make a beeline to that hole we've dug in the backyard. But God, God gives everything we need to be church. God gives a holy word, which is not just a whole bunch of stories in a book, but it's a living word that's a living, inspiring announcement of grace and mercy. You hear it and you feel differently. You are different. God gives a holy bath, even if there's only a little bit of water. And it's so life-changing that we are joined to millions of other saints around the globe. God gives a holy meal. And in our mouth, it may taste like just a small chunk of bread and a sip of wine. But it is instead the body and blood of Jesus joined to the body and blood of you and me. All of these things bring us God's grace and mercy. You can't go out and buy this stuff. When you need it, you can only receive it here as a gift for free. You receive it in this incredible community called church. Now this evening, we're going to celebrate one more of the gifts this extravagant God has invested in the church. We don't often pause to talk about our pastors, and that's as it should be most of the time. This isn't Debbie's or Russell's church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Your two pastors would be the very first to insist on that. But every once in a while, it's good to highlight the difference a real pastor makes. Debbie and Russell, you have been at this spirit-led, sometimes crazy, always innovative, usually budget-breaking, incredibly faithful work of leading the experiment called House of Mercy for years and years. Only a few people here likely know how much the two of you have sacrificed or the crazy risk you took to bring this whole community of faith to the maturity that is its stature today. I'm sure even though I am a bishop, I don't know most of what has gone on behind the scenes through the years. But I know this. House of Mercy is a place where lives are changed, 
where God's deepest truth is voiced and brought alive, where tough questions and doubts are always welcome, and where prayers are heard and answered. Now, usually at an installation service, I've done a half dozen of them this fall, it's at this point that I speak about the great, the right fit that a congregation has deserved, has discerned in its mission and in the calling of a brand new pastor. Well, that doesn't quite fit today, does it? Russell and Debbie, I want to thank you for doing so much through these years to shape this community of faith. And then again today for your willingness to continue to have your own lives transformed by the real people you keep encountering in this ministry. Thank you, dear pastors, for your persistence and your faithful leadership through the years. And thank you also for sticking around and hanging in here to see what God has next in store for this creative community in Christ. And as the Bishop of the Synod, I want to also thank all of you, everyone else at House of Mercy, for the special witness you bear to the Synod. Wendell Berry, whose name I know is recognized in this place, has written a poem in which he rightfully decries the stuffiness of much Christian theology. I'm pretty sure this is the one congregation where I can read that poem, and you're going to get it. Here's what Barry writes. If I am a theologian, I am one to the extent that I have learned to duck when the small, haughty doctrines fly overhead dropping their loads of whitewash at random on the faces of those who look toward heaven. Look down, look down, and save your soul by honester dirt that receives with lordly indifference this off-fall of the air. Christmas night and Easter morning are that soil's only law. Brothers and sisters at House of Mercy, I count on all of you to remind the rest of us in this synod not to be so serious about small matters that don't matter, but to be fully invested in the things that do matter. Because you see, God still calls us to step forward in faith to be hands and feet and mind and heart of Jesus for the sake of God's love for everyone and for this whole endangered creation. That's our work in this time and place. And then at journey's end, in ways that I suspect will actually amaze and surprise each one of us, God will again say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thanks be to God. 
Amen.